we're continuing. This is week three, um, and we're, we're in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about him. And so in this series, we've got a theme verse found in John chapter 16, verse 7. And I want you to listen to this verse very carefully this morning. This is the verse that we built the series on. 16 verse 7, it says this, Jesus is talking, he says, but in fact, it is best for you, you might not underline that you part, it is best for you that I go away. Now doesn't that sound a little funny? Doesn't it seem a little funny to you that Jesus is saying the best thing for you is that I go away? That should hit you a little bit sideways today. Jesus is saying the best thing for you is that I go away, watch this, because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And what I like about that last phrase is, is that Jesus is saying it's best that I go, and then he says this on the last phrase, he says, and then I will send him to you. Now, this is important. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, which means this, that the Holy Spirit's not coming to you on accident. It means the Holy Spirit's coming to you on purpose, with intention, with a mission, like he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And Jesus is saying, Holy Spirit, go over there and see Jeff and fill Jeff's life up, and fulfill the purpose in Jeff's life. That's how Jesus meant that. He said, I need to go away. So watch this. Jesus is telling the disciples, I need to go away. I need to go away because that's the best thing for you, because I can only be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be with all people at all times. That's the best part of it it all, is that we can't physically walk with Jesus today, but we walk with the Holy Spirit. So week one, we tackled the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Week two, we tackled the question, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? And you can listen to any of these previous messages if you go to osconnect.com, if you've missed some. So we're answering questions today, and over the next three weeks, we're going to start digging into some other things like spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and all those different things, so you don't want to miss that. One is always building on the other. So today I want to show you, and some of you this may be a little bit of a surprise, but I want to show you three baptisms. You're like, what? You found another one? Well, technically speaking, yes. Uh, The first one is this, is the Holy Spirit baptizes you in Jesus. This is what we call salvation. So the Holy Spirit, and the Bible, I'm going to show you how the Bible backs this up. The Holy Spirit actually baptizes you into the family of God. So what happens when you get saved is you go from being an enemy of God to becoming a friend of God, and now you go from being outside of his family to being adopted into his family. And it's the Holy Spirit who baptizes you into Jesus, which is what we call salvation. Make sense? So 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, when we, he says, we have all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. The Holy Spirit brought you into the one body, the body of Christ. Does this make sense? Shake your head if it makes sense. You got to understand something. Jesus made this clear to us in John chapter 3. He said, I assure you, 
No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to what? To spiritual life. Humans give birth to human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I don't know if you knew this, but you're made up of three things. You're made up of three parts. You're a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Body, soul, and spirit are the three things that make up who you are. You have a body, that's what we see. That's what you're looking at with me, a big body, right? I've got a soul, you can't see my soul. And then I've, I've got a spirit, you can't see my spirit, but you can see the fruits of my spirit. Make sense? So body, soul, and spirit. But there's a problem. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the spirit inside of us died. And ever since when you were born, your spirit is dead. You got this? So now your body, your soul, but the spirit is dead. It's incomplete. You're seeing it. It's incomplete. Your body is alive. Your soul is alive, but your spirit is dead. I came up in a religious denomination that said you, you had to be good to be saved. And if you were bad, you weren't saved. Until I learned that, that Jesus didn't die on a cross to make bad people good. He died on a cross to make spiritually dead people spiritually alive. Can I get a better amen than that? That means this, that you don't have to be good to get to heaven. You just need to be alive. Spiritually. <laughs> just in case I needed to clear that up. <laughs> so Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. How does that happen? When you gave your life to Jesus that day, if you've done that, and if not, you can do that today. But if you, when you gave your life to Jesus, what happened is the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and he brought to life the spirit man inside of you. So you were alive in the body and alive in the soul, but you were dead in the spirit. But when you were saved, your spirit became alive. Now you are complete. Now you're alive. That's why when you, when you see a friend that you haven't seen in a long time and you heard they had a religious experience, let's say they truly got saved and the last time you saw them, they seemed a little bit dead, but now you see them and they seem alive, what's the difference maker? Is their spirit came to life. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's incredible. We, this week was a rough week. We, we lost a dear friend and, and, and brother in his family. And, and I, did his, I did his funeral Wednesday, and, and God gave me the message to preach at his funeral. And, and I stood there, and I preached this message that God told me to preach. And I knew that Frank's heart was that all of his family and friends would come to know Christ. That's the one thing he wanted more than anything. And I stood there, and I preached this message that God gave me, and we had a salvation call. And that day, over 60 people came, became spiritually alive. 60 people didn't become good all of a sudden. 60 people came to life. Over 60 people. God started writing names in the, in the book of life. He started putting down names. He was taking count. He was taking record. As all of heaven was rejoicing. Over 60 people gave their lives to Christ. Can we just give God a little hand clap for that? Because that was all him. 
It was all him. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. Number two, the disciple baptizes us into water. So the first baptism is for salvation. The second baptism is for separation. So water baptism. How many of you have seen a water baptism? We, we have some pretty cool water baptisms here at our church. This is the baptism that's all you know, set up, ready to go. We were going to do one right before COVID hit, and we figured we might pass on the cooties if we did that. So we're just going to scratch that. We're going to get one later on. But, but we've had baptisms here where people were moved in the moment. They came to church without any backup clothes. Come on, somebody. You know what that means? Like you got, you got baptized in your Sunday best. We had a lady one time. She was in this very nice dress. She took her high heels off, took her phone out of her thing, put it all to the side. She walked up there and got in the water and got baptized. And that happens on a regular basis. Water baptism. What, what happens? Well, we got two strong men in the, in the tank, and, and the person steps in, and they, they grab them, and I lay hands on them. I say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they bring them under the water, which represents death and burial of the old life. And then when they come out, it represents the new life that is alive and full of power and strength. Amen? And most of them, when they come out, they're like, ah. Anyway, maybe you need to be baptized. <laughs> Have that experience for yourself. But that's what we're talking about. Number two, the disciples baptize us in water. Don't get hung up on the word disciple. That basically means a believer who's following Christ can baptize you. Because some people believe it's only the preacher that can. I've retired from baptizing people until my grandbabies come. There ain't nobody baptizing them but me, right? Watch what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the very specific instructions that Jesus gave the disciples. So after you give your life to Christ and your spirit man comes to life, you follow that with water baptism. Make sense? It's kind of weird to get water baptized before you're saved. Just saying. <laughs> it doesn't normally happen that way. Salvation is a private moment. The way we roll here at our Savior's church is at the end of a service, We'll give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. We feel like it's important that we do that. And what I ask you to do is I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody look around. Why? Because it's a private moment between you and God. It doesn't need to be shared yet. Why? Because it's an intimacy between you and God where you're making the best decision of your life that's going to echo in eternity. It needs to be you and Christ alone. But there comes a day where you need to go public. There comes a day where everybody around you needs to know. And that's what we love about water baptism is we invite your friends and your family and people are here with cameras and your life group people are here and they're celebrating. Maybe your freedom group, you went to freedom, you had a great weekend, you came back and you got baptized. And we celebrate. But we have an issue today because too many people stop right there. They stop with number two. They, they receive salvation, they get saved. We praise God for that. 
They get water baptized. They take the next step. We praise God for that. But then they stop. They don't go any further. And I'm going to tell you what happens. The longer you go without the third baptism, the longer you start to realize I'm missing something. That, that, that I'm incomplete, like something's not quite right. There's something more. I remember being hungry for something more, like there's got to be more of God. There's got to be more than just salvation and water baptism. There's got to be something more. And I remember feeling that in my heart, and I started to ask God, God, what is this? What is this I'm longing for? What is this emptiness inside of me? It wasn't the emptiness I had before I was saved. It was a different kind of emptiness felt like I was missing something. And it's a tragedy today that too many in the church have stopped at water baptism. Because what I hope to help you understand today is that this third baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is what is missing in the world today. It's what's missing in the world today. You know what the world needs today? They need all the people that have been saved and water baptized to be filled with God's spirit and start living in some supernatural power. Amen? That's what the world needs. They need Christians to have power. Jesus baptizes us, number three, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit And this one is for supernatural power. Now, let me clear up that word for a second because some of you hear supernatural and you think of a a TBN show or something where somebody says, yeah, oh, that's supernatural. And it's become this weird thing. Like, you know, even when they say it, it's weird. And the supernatural. And you're like, anybody see that? Kind of get turned off by that? It's kind of like, bro, it's supernatural. Like, let's just go back to good old Cajun English. It's supernatural right? What does that mean? Supernatural means above and beyond your natural ability. It's super. It's your natural ability given the superpower of God to do more than you can do without it. Amen? It's supernatural. It's above and beyond your natural ability. It's not freaky. It's not weird. You don't change. Your voice doesn't change. You don't become possessed all of a sudden. You just have now a supernatural ability. You had a natural ability, but now God came and put his super on your natural, and you can do more and greater things for the kingdom of God. So I used to be hung up right here because the way I was raised, you were saved and water baptized and that was it. And I believed you received the Holy Spirit when you were saved. And yes, that's true. You do. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you when you're saved. But there was more. And just like I told you, as time went on, I got hungrier and, and, and thirstier for something more. And I would wrestle with the scriptures, and I'd be like, ah, what's John talking about? Like, like this, this next verse I'm going to share with you just messed me up. John said in Matthew chapter 3, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. John, John's standing in a river talking to a crowd of people that he's been either baptizing or about to baptize or that are just watching. And he's making this statement. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But... Someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be a slave or carry his sandals. Listen to what John says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
And I was like, hold up, swole up. You baptizing with water. Jesus is baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire. That sounds like two different baptisms. Like, what's the deal? Like, what's going on? Like, I thought we just need to be water baptized. That's what my church had been telling me. You just need to be water baptized, and you don't need anything else. Anybody else have that same struggle? This is what I find really cool about this, is that Jesus is both the one who takes away your sin, and he's also the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. So he takes away your sin, and then he gives you supernatural power to live the life that he's called you to live. That's cool. I don't care what you say or don't say. That's good stuff. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Look at, look at what the apostles did in Acts chapter 8. This is after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. Look at what, what happens in, in chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John, watch this, placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The people in Samaria... A bunch of them had just given their life to Jesus. They had salvation. They were baptized into Jesus, like the first one we were talking about. And many of them had been baptized in the water, John's baptism, for the repentance of sin and to turn to God. The disciples or the apostles hear that Samaria has turned its heart to God. They go, hang on a second. Samaria has, has gotten saved. Let's send our two best disciples to them for what? To make sure that they get the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. See, people in the front row, they get spit on, and, and they have a greater anointing and a greater understanding. I'm just picking. If I spit on you, I'm sorry. Watch this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is so valuable to the life of a believer that the disciples sent two of their best to go to Samaria, to a town. What if they sent Peter and John to Eunice? They heard, man, there's a big, there's a big revival in Eunice. People are getting saved all over the place. There was this funeral and over 60 people got saved. Send the two guys over there. Make sure they get the Holy Spirit. That's how valuable the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. Now watch this. I'm going to come against some of your theology. If salvation and water baptism were enough, Peter and John never get sent to Samaria. If salvation and water baptism were enough, Peter and John never get sent to Samaria. Salvation and water baptism was good enough to get people to heaven. Amen? But it wasn't enough to get people to live out the purpose of God on the planet with power. And I'm going to show you that in the scripture in just a minute. There's a big difference between a believer who is filled with God's spirit and one who is not. 
Simply put, one has power and the other doesn't. I'm going to show it to you in two chapters of the book of Acts, chapter 18 and chapter 19. Something happens in between chapter 18 and, in, and then into chapter 19 that you need to see today because, because the difference maker, I'm going to show it to you. Chapter, chapter 18, verse 24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. So what we have here is a guy named Apollos. He's a believer. He's an eloquent speaker. Evidently, he studies the scriptures because the Bible says that he can, he, can, he can tell you the scriptures, he can preach the scriptures, he can help you understand the scriptures. Even, it even says with accuracy. It says that he, he preached with an enthusiastic spirit. So on the outside, Apollos was the man. If we were looking to hire another pastor, Apollos, if he applied, he would be the top man, right? Because he was enthusiastic and he knew the scriptures and he preached with a boldness. But he was missing something. That's chapter 18. Let me show you what happened in 19 and then we're going to back up and show you why it happened. Chapter 19 all of a sudden, stuff starts to happen. Revival starts to hit. Ephesus. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus, the Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who have been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Now, this is cool stuff. You ever want to know if revival's really hitting? Like, like some churches, they, they advertise revival. Like, come next Wednesday, revival's going to hit. And you go and it's just a church service. Right? How many of you have been to those disappointing revivals? You said, I thought this thing was going to be revived. I mean, you, you, anyway, you played one more song. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> when revival really hits a city, you know what happens? People start openly confessing their sins. And then they start burning down the things that get them involved in sin. They brought their books and put them in the city bonfire. I mean, that would be like going to the second street in Eunice somewhere over there and find a good spot, start up a fire, and people start bringing their junk. That's revival. Amen? That's real revival. Revival breaks out in Ephesus. So what happened? Let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 19. The Bible tells us what happened. Because there's a big difference between 18 and 19. In 18, Apollos was preaching. He knew the scriptures. He was eloquent. He preached with enthusiasm and with great boldness. But he only knew John's baptism. 
Acts chapter 19, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When, and then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. What's the biggest difference between chapter 18 and chapter 19? The message is different. Paul comes not with eloquent speech, not with enthusiastic spirit, not with great boldness. He comes with a question. Think about it. Apollos is preaching his tail off and getting not much results. Paul comes in and he asks a question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What in, who were you baptized? How were you baptized? We were baptized in John's baptism. Oh, the one for repentance? Uh-huh. Do you know there's, there's another one? And then the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then Paul lays his hands on them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What happens? They start to speak in a spiritual language, and then they start to prophesy. What does that mean? That means they start to tell other people what God is telling them. Supernatural. Listen, it's natural for me to read something that God said and tell you about it. That's not prophetic. That's just re repeating. That's just repetitive. That's just natural. Supernatural is when God tells me something directly and I tell you and it reads your mail. Supernatural. Beyond your natural ability. Supernatural. What was the biggest difference between Paul and Apollos? Apollos was more polished. Paul was just filled. I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> What's the biggest difference between Apollos and Paul? Apollos was polished. Paul was filled. Don't ever follow somebody who's polished and not filled. You need to follow somebody who may not be as polished, but is filled. And your life will be exciting, <laughs> to say the least. You will see supernatural. Amen? What did Paul come with? Paul came with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What rocked the, the city of Ephesus? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. What broke out revival in the city? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. What caused people to openly confess their sin? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. What caused people to burn millions of dollars of books? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see it? Salvation is great. We celebrate it. Water baptism, we throw down. We have a good time. But don't stop there. Don't stop at water baptism because God's got something more for you. Don't be like Ephesus and say, I didn't even know. And some of you walked in here today and you didn't even know. And I want you to look at me. There's no condemnation on you for that. In fact, I'm glad you're here because today we're going to give you an opportunity to know and to experience. Amen? Amen. 
Chapter 18 was a great sermon. Chapter 19 was great power. What does the city of Eunice and the surrounding areas need right now? They need every one of us in this room to be saved, water baptized, and filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what they need. That's how real change happens in a city. That's how revival comes. And by the way, revival breaks out in churches sometimes. It breaks out in cities sometimes. But don't forget that revival also breaks out inside of you. How do you know when revival's inside of you? When you start getting honest with yourself, with God, and with other people. And you start openly confessing your sins. Because as long as you're holding your sin, as long as you're hiding your sin, there's no revival. Can I just leave that right there for a second? As long as you're holding it, hiding it, trying to fake your way through it, there's no revival in your life. There's no power in your life. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes over you, he tells you it's okay to embarrass your sin. Embarrass your sin. Confess it. Get it out. Expose the enemy. I remember when I was in Haiti right before COVID hit real hard. We was in Haiti and we had met this pastor who had planted 69 churches all throughout Haiti. And he was, he was a real tall black man and he, he just had a sweet, sweet spirit on him. And we're in this room and we're just praying and there's, there's like five white guys and this big old black guy. And he's, I mean, he was like an apostle to Haiti. I mean, he just had a, he had a presence on him, but he was filled with God's spirit. And he started praying i never forget one of the guys that was with us, he just, I mean, we're just praying and he just starts confessing his sin. And I was like, like, whoa. I was more impressed with him confessing sin than the goosebumps I was getting from this guy praying. Why? Because when open confession of sin comes, the spirit of God has taken over. Amen. So maybe today you find yourself feeling tired, feeling empty. Maybe you feel like you're, you're trying to do this Christian thing in your own strength, and your own power, and honestly, you can't keep up. Let's just get real. You're trying to overcome sin in your own strength. You're trying to be the man or the woman in your own strength, and you find yourself today empty and tired and depleted because you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not wise enough. Can I tell you what you need? You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that way you can live a supernatural life. Supernatural doesn't mean you're flopping on the floor and people are running around like a chicken with their heads cut off. That's not supernatural. That's just weird. <laughs> supernatural is when you have power in your life to overcome the mountains in front of you, to live in victory and not in defeat, to walk, and at the end of the day, there's still breath left in your lungs. You still got some energy and some strength in you because you've been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and not the power of you. Amen? So look at what Jesus says in Luke 24. He says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, 
just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. I had a young guy living with me one time. His name was Dylan. Dylan was in high school, and Dylan had a hard life. Daddy was an alcoholic, abusive man. Dylan was mostly raised by his mama. He was kind of feminine, the way he carried himself. And Dylan came to live with me, and <clears throat> he was saved. He was water baptized. And one day he realized he was missing something. Just one day, just an average day, he says, hey, he says, hey Pastor Jamie, he says, uh, I'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you help me with that? I was like, oh, yeah, I can help you. I said, let's go talk. And we went to another room. And I explained the difference between salvation, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, so is that what you want? He said, yeah, that's what I want. I said, okay, very simple, Dylan. We're going to ask God to baptize you in his Holy Spirit. I said, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who does the baptize. I'm going to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to ask him to do it. Okay. So I started praying for him. And then Dylan asked, but nothing happened. And so we prayed for a little while, and I said, okay, so time out. Let's take a little break. I said, is there some sin in your life that you haven't confessed that could be holding you back right now? And I'm going to explain that in a minute. He's like, no, I think I'm good. I said, okay. I said, what do you think's holding you up right now from, from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He says, I, I'm just having a hard time receiving it. Like, I don't know how to receive it. And, and I looked over, and there happened to be a box right there. And I grabbed the box. I said, bro, look, it's, it's like this. I said, I said, this is a present that God has for you. And I said, I want you to imagine that God's reaching out his hand right now with this present called the Holy Spirit. And it's got your name on it. It's got Dylan. And I said, he's holding it out. I said, will you receive it? And he was like, yeah, I want it. I said, no, will you receive it? He's like, yeah, I'll receive it. I said, well, then take the box. <laughs> and he took the box. We prayed again, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like in the book of Acts, and he prayed with other tongues. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was talking to the people that were just filled. What Paul means in this verse is that for all of us, whether we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, we need to be refilled. One, because we leak. <laughs> Two, because you're living life in a fallen planet. And you need to be refilled. I got here this morning. I'll be honest with you. I was done. I was, I was exhausted. I've been exhausted all week. I, I, I just, I was empty. I was in my office. First song's kicking on. I'm like, Jesus, you got to show up, man. Like I, like, I need you to refill me right now. I'm empty, Lord. I'm empty. Please refill me. And I could feel him and I could sense him filling me fresh and new with his Holy Spirit. We need to be refilled. 
So sometimes we need to be refilled, right? So I don't know who you are today. Maybe you just need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or maybe you need to be refilled. I mean, your car runs out of gas. What do you do? You refill it. Hopefully, <laughs> right? I think if you find yourself today feeling a little bored with Christianity, I think you need to ask yourself the question, why? Why is Christianity boring to me all of a sudden? I remember it used to be alive. It used to be thriving in my life. I used to see God move every day. I used to hear his voice. I used to follow his direction and be a part of some incredible things. And I always had something to celebrate. But now I find myself without anything to say. Maybe you need to trust him to fill you again today. So let me tell you how this works. And we're going to do this in just a little while. Just like I told Dylan, number one, you may need to remove some barriers. There may need to be some confession that happens between you and God. Maybe you need to ask him to forgive you for being complacent, for not being hungry, for not being thirsty, for not coming after him. Maybe there's sin in your life that you need to confess openly. If there is, I would ask you, as we pray in a little while, just to confess that right there between you and God. I'm not asking you to tell anybody else. I'm asking you just to confess your sins to God and clear up the, the, the space and distance between you. Clear the air between you. So the first thing we do is we remove the barriers. The second thing we, would, we do is we request the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want every one of us to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. And all we need to do is request it. Look at what Jesus said in, in Luke 11. He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those, watch this, who ask him? He'll give it to those who ask him. Request it. Number three, then receive him by faith. Receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Now, there's an issue here because we live in the South, don't we? And some of you, your parents used to whip you and used to beat you whenever somebody would try to give you something and you just received it, right? They said, no, you don't take it the first time. How many of you ever been taught that way? Like, no, you, you turn it down, right? It's a type of pride. Like, you can't receive charity. It's that old charity thing. And so for some of you, that's a real issue right now, and you're going to have a hard time receiving from God because you don't feel like you need what he has or you don't feel like you're worthy of what he has. But listen to me. You must have what he is giving you today. You've got to have it. Receive it. Tell him thank you. You receive the Holy Spirit the same way you receive Jesus. And then number four, just relate to him daily. I've been following Jesus for 
Somebody help me with some math. I'm 46. I got saved at 12. What is that? 34? I've been following Jesus for 34 years. I've had years where I've run away from him. I've had days that I've run away from him. I've had weeks and months that I've run away from him. But I've also had years that I've walked closely with him. Weeks and months that have been incredible. The thing I love about Christianity more than anything else is that I get to be God's representation on this planet and I get to walk in his supernatural power every day. Every day. Not just on a special occasion. I'm learning today after 34 years that God doesn't just show up in my life for special occasions. He shows up every day. Every day I walk according to the Holy Spirit the best that I can. I try to follow him. And when I listen, my marriage is better. And when I listen, my parenting is better. And when I listen, my pastoring is better. And when I listen, my evangelism is better. When I listen to him, Relate to him daily. Listen to what Paul says, how he describes this. He says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. He was blessing the people. And what did he say about the Holy Spirit? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. 